I trust that your fruits, you see the fruits of your labor and their lives, and I hope that you have a great day with them at some point. I know our pastor's had a great day with his son as he's here and his other children, so um, I welcome you. I trust that you've had a great week and you're anxious to be fellowshipping with each other. I saw plenty of that going on already, and uh, opportunity to praise and worship together, too. In case you hadn't noticed, uh, we have a visitor among us from, from the great north has come down a bearded man, uh, Mr. Steve Phelps, who was a part of this worship team for many, 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 many years, has come back and it's a joy to have him here uh, playing with us and worshiping with us and fellowshipping with us. So I trust that you'll make him welcome as uh, the service is over. To, Congratulate him on his uh, playing this morning. I'm sure he'll do a marvelous job <laughs> and singing. And uh, I'm not up here by myself this week, so that's really exciting too. <laughs> I know a lot of y'all are excited about that as well. So would you stand with me as we begin the worship service and we'll pray together. <clears throat> Father, we do praise you for this family, this church. Um, again, as I prayed earlier, Steve comes back and it's... Um, just another member of the family's come home. And um, we can enjoy that fellowship, that worship, that sense of love and closeness that never leaves Amen. because it's um, because of you and your son and being in our lives and in our hearts that makes us have those feelings to, that no matter where we are, where we're, we're going, uh, we can pray for each other, we can think about each other, we can remember each other. And although um, some of us are other places, moved away, gone other things, uh, we still recognize them as part of the family. And one day, one day, we'll all be together forever Amen. and be able to share in that fellowship. I praise you for this Sunday, the beautiful day that it is. I thank you for the opportunity to be a father, the blessing that it is that you've given me children that I see their lives dedicated to you and the joy that that brings me. I pray for every father here and every father in the world that has that opportunity that we would be the kind of fathers you desire us to be, to represent you, to somehow be their earthly father that tries to love them the way their heavenly father does. We pray for all these songs, the messages Steve brings today. Everything that's done would be to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Start out with a great song that's a fun one to sing, and it's uh, talking about, uh, we had one last week, I think, that talked about the melody that's in our heart as Christians. Uh, when Jesus comes into your heart, he usually puts a song there. Not all of us have great voices, me included, but God gives us the opportunity to make a joyful noise to him. So I invite you to do that this morning, whether you're, you feel like your voice is great or not, to sing as unto the Lord with a praise. He considers our praise to him as a sacrifice of our lips, giving glory to his name. So we'll sing together, In My Heart There Rings a Melody. I have a song that Jesus gave me. It was sent from heaven above. There was a sweeter melody. Here's a melody. 
songs, Acts 1-8, talks about the fact that in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on the disciples and suddenly they were scared and sitting in a room and becoming bold and just shouting from the rooftops that Jesus Christ was Lord. And the Holy Spirit that we have today should give us that same power, that same excitement to share with others what he's done for us. You shall receive power. Shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Upon you, and you 
shall lay my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria. Even to the remotest part of the earth, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea, where the shortest prayer in the Bible is found? <laughs> uh, when, uh, you know, uh, Peter was uh, going out to walk on the water with Jesus. He thought he could do it. He got out in the middle there and he got a little scared. He started sinking and he prayed, help me. That was it. That's the shortest prayer in the Bible. And God greeted by the hand, lifted him up. I don't know if that, what this song is written about, but that's the same idea as that. Each of us in our lives, we were sinking in sin. We were gone, going, going, gone. But the hand of Jesus Christ reached down and grabbed us, set us on a rock to stay. I was sinking deep in sin, but love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore Very deeply stained within Seeking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despairing cry From the waters lifted me Now save them all Love lifted me Love lifted me Nothing else would help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else Love so mighty and so true, there is my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service to, to Him, 
songs that we wanted to do this week I talk, we always talk with Steve Hogan about it and he asked me he says you know why don't you play a couple of songs that you don't really play very well but Steve does great on any, any, and, and he likes to play and I said that's a good idea Steve I'll get up there and I won't know what I'm doing and Steve will take it away so <laughs> what we're going to do is June 24th uh, as, a, as an aside I will say Steve is a, an excellent guitarist he told me this when he was talking about this song. This is the first song he ever played in public. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. If I'm, I'm going to play a song, I'm going to pick something with CGD. I'm not going anywhere with the A9s and B minors and stuff. But it just so happens that's what God chose for him to start with. It's a beautiful song, and it's a song that reminds us that it's not up to you. You're not going to get yourself to heaven Nothing you ever did is ever going to get you there or can get you there. Jesus Christ did it all on the cross, and he's doing it all in our lives right now. To him who's able to keep us, to keep us from stumbling, and to present us in, Jesus, in God's presence, blameless with great joy. Amazing truth. Take it away. <laughs> To him who is able to keep you, who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, be the glory, majesty, dominion, and power, for a time and now and forever. 
song with you. It's appropriate that um, I do it this Sunday. I like uh, part of the reason that I play guitar is because of my friendship with Steve and his encouragement. I probably wouldn't be there otherwise. Uh, most people don't start playing guitar at 58, but you know, it's, it's, it's not beyond the rim of possibility. Never can't, You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, most people, when think of salvation, the greatest verse they always quote is John 3.16, that God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. But one of the greatest ones for us as Christians is found in 2 Corinthians. It says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And the, the terms that are used there are really accounting terms that God has taken the ledger that had all of that sin in it and wiped it out and put the righteousness of Jesus Christ in the next column for us. To think of that as an amazing truth. So this uh, song is called The Great Exchange. God made the man who knew no sin to become sin for me. A great exchange took place that day on a hill called Calvary. The sky grew black as the father turned his back upon his son. Forsaken and alone he hung 
until the work was done. It should have been me. I should have died. Instead it was Jesus who was crucified. God took all my sin and placed it on him. His righteousness to my account was then applied. The physical torture couldn't compare to bearing the sins of us all, of having his father forsake him and then to turn and not answer his call. One with the Father before time began, never knowing his presence not there. Until the cost of atonement was paid, his small smitten by God and laid bare. It should have been me, I should have died, instead it was Jesus who was crucified. God took all my sin and placed it on him. His righteousness to my account was then applied. One day I'll stand before the throne and the one who will judge every heart. I'll stand there and think of my lifetime of sin and the punishment earned on my part. The books will be opened and the book of life and my name found written by grace. Because Jesus took all my sin on the cross, giving me holiness in its place. It should have been me. I should have died. Instead it was Jesus who was crucified. God took all my sin and placed it on him. His righteousness to my account was then applied. God took all my sin and placed it on him. His righteousness to my account was then applied. Good morning. Glad you could all be with us on this Father's Day and more importantly on this Lord's Day. Reading is from Romans chapter 8 verses 12 to 25. Romans 8 chapter Romans 8 verse 12. So then brethren we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. If you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And of children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was submitted to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans, and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Father, thank you for the word that you give us. We bless you for your great love in that way that, as Steve sang, we understand that, that you sent your son to die for us, this great exchange, this forgiveness of sins, because, Jesus, you died for them. And, Father, this, of course, is what you wanted, choosing us uh, in you before the foundation of the world, Lord, then sending your son down to this earth at the proper time to die for us, to pay for our sins, and then to rise again. But thank you so much for you being our Heavenly Father, one who knows us perfectly, loves us perfectly, cares for us, thinks about us all the time. And through your Spirit, you are with us. What a wonderful Father. For those, those here who do not have an earthly Father, we thank you for the fact that we have a Heavenly Father. And we bless you for that, Lord. Indeed, for those without a Father, you are the Father of the fatherless, and we, we do bless you for that. But thank you again for this time we can be here together as a family, fellowshipping, singing to you, Lord, worshiping together, also then listening to your word. Might your spirit instruct our hearts, Lord, to learn what you want, what we need to hear. Indeed, not everything we hear is going to be applied because there's a lot's going to be said, and we thank you for that. But God, specifically, we ask you for the truths that we need to hear, the, the commands, the promises, whatever they might be. Lord. The example of, of Steve's life, Lord, as he's coming back to share with us, we, we thank you for that and for his life, too. But do thank you now for this time. Just bless us for your purposes and glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Steve Altman, thanks for sharing the song. It really is a blessing to hear and to, uh, like you said, to see what God has done through the years, allowing you to um, be able to become what he wanted for you to, to be, to have the courage to let him do that at the time you did. So amazing. And then uh, again, it is Father's Day, and this is my gift to Steve and his family, allowing him to not have to worry about giving a message this weekend so he could spend extra time with them. And I got to spend the evening with them, and I could tell he was pretty relaxed. He didn't have to, didn't have anything else on his mind except that being engaged with, with our time together. So it was a real blessing to be able to be with them. You know, I've been away for almost four months, seems like it's been a longer time, to be honest with you. Uh, I guess sometimes it feels like it's, you go through these time warps, right, where 
it was only yesterday, and then all of a sudden you think, oh man, that was ages ago. Um, so we all kind of can relate to that, have those experiences. Uh, there has been a lot that has happened. Started out with Steve and Steve's great adventure. I don't know if you guys got to hear about it at all, but uh, God really did protect us. He was very faithful along the way. We encountered some very vicious potholes that threatened to tear the tear the trailer apart and my car and whatever else was in there. And uh, but God, again, He was really gracious. Got us repaired. Nothing was damaged, and we. Uh, we, we got the tire repaired that was blown on the trailer and got back on our way. And uh, when we got there, the, the next day we were able to unload the truck. I tortured my parents' friends and Steve and I. Uh, I should have hired two men in a truck or something, some, some, some guys to help us move some things. But he got us through that too. And it didn't snow that day, but the next day, it snowed, and uh, it was a great reminder to me that uh, it was a new beginning, and, and as uh, God says in Isaiah, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. It was a beautiful picture to have. Mr. Altman got out there and shoveled the walk. If you want proof, I have a video that afterwards you can ask me, and I'll show you the video of Steve Altman shoveling our our uh, front walk there, if you care to see that. Buster looking on. He's, he's loving it up there, too. Uh, as far as my work goes, uh, I wondered how, how I would handle that because being an extrovert and being interested in so many different things. Um, oh, thank you, Giovanni. Appreciate it. Uh, being an, uh, an extrovert and wanting to be involved in things, and I, I'm very curious, and so all the different teams of R&D are there from every segment of our company, and we have hundreds of different segments, and a lot of people that I already have known and met through the years that are there, and my challenge is to hold back and on the reins and not get involved in everything. And my, my boss warned me about that. And some weeks have done better than others, I'll be very honest. But, but I, I am enjoying it. I'm going up, uh, it's an 80-mile trip one way up there from where I'm living, but it's all open road. So I get on, and it's this really relaxing open road driving, not a lot of, not too much traffic, few trucks. But I can listen to music, listen to messages, talk to people on the phone. Works out really well for me. And so it's been, a, it's been a blessing in that sense that I'm only going up there three days a week. I can still work from home. So it's not every day that I have to do that kind of trip with gas prices. Um, it's a bit uh, challenging for some, but I don't have a mortgage right now. So my mortgage is going to my... my my uh, commute. Uh, the other thing that's been significant is that I've gotten reacquainted with my family. It's been about 44 years since I've lived in that area, near my parents, near my cousins. My mom was number nine out of 11, so you can imagine I've got a few cousins around. In fact, second and third cousins, and they're already starting on fourth 
cousins, so it's getting pretty deep there. But it's a lot of fun getting to be with them. And one of my cousins um, had become a believer after I left for college and had not been around there. I wasn't aware of all the personal struggles that he was going through. And God used those, though, to rescue him. And then he, he uh, got away from an addiction that he had. Uh, God had him meet a wonderful woman who is now his wife, and Vicki and I bonded really quickly with Mike and Maureen, and uh, I'd always really enjoyed talking about their church and what they were doing. Um, Mike has also then been discipled, and he has a strong heart to disciple others, so they have had multiple small groups of couples that then they have been able to help because of all the experiences they have been through in their life. And, uh, and so he has a really strong desire to impact families and people. Total, totally different Mike than I knew growing up. Very quiet to himself. And now he's this really outgoing, caring person. Um, and his wife, Maureen, they're amazing. Every time I tell people, I'm like, oh, Mike's the greatest, you know, when I meet people at, at church. He's a bicycling enthusiast, so I've been able to start back biking, but he's a little more extreme than we are, Bruce. Uh, he, his goal is to do a minimum of 100 miles a week. He goes on these 25, 30-mile rides before he goes to work. Now, he has a physical job. He's a contractor. He remodels and builds things all the time, builds cabinets as well as installs them and puts up walls and all this stuff. But he goes on these 25, 30-mile rides before he goes to work because he says, oh, I'd be too tired when I get home. I'm like, okay. <laughs> what he does, though, with this is in the uh, starting last year, he got a group of people together to ride, and they all they got sponsored. And there's a Christian ministry that helps dig freshwater wells throughout the world. Um, it's an organization, and they use that to bring the message about living water to these communities. And they earned enough money. They, he gathered 21 folks together to ride and get sponsored for $500 each, and they were able to put in five wells. There were a total of 21 wells that went in, and five of them came just from that one small group that went in, so it's really encouraging. So this year's goal is to get 30 people to do it and see how many more and just keep it growing. So it's really uh, exciting. <coughs> I've been attending his church. It's another HBC, so we've got Hope Bible Church. I'm now attending Harvest Bible Chapel, so when I, I, uh, there are all kinds of things that God has done that kind of give me confidence about doing and, and going the direction I've gone. The campus he attends is only five minutes from my home, so it's very easy. Um, they have a really... They have six campuses in the Chicagoland area, and their objective is to continue to do church plants or to assist church planters in, the, in Chicago, inner city Chicago. They know that they may not have the right demographic 
to reach it, but they have partnered with an organization that finds indigenous church planters in the city. They will, we have, you know, supported them either with training or financial support or bought resources or helped them get other resources. But then even going shoulder to shoulder with them into their communities, letting them help, we help them, but they're really the ones initiating. So it's a really neat concept that they're implementing. Their motto is fulfilling the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. So sounds pretty familiar if you read on our, our bulletin every week. Um, so really the same heart that they have. They have very similar doctrine to what we have. Uh, I would call it like a Reformed Baptist type of uh, uh, a ministry that they have. And their, um, their motto this year that they've chosen is more and better disciples, more and better leaders, more and better churches. And so really simple uh, message, but just sticking to scripture. And they do expository preaching. They have one primary pastor that teaches, and then each of the campuses have their own uh, pastor, who really whose gifts are pastoring and shepherding the flock, knowing the needs of the flock. The one that's in Aurora is a fantastic young guy who um, you can just tell it's the perfect scenario for him. He knows his gift is not teaching preaching necessarily, but boy, when he teaches and the wisdom he has and the way that he and mannerisms he has in counseling with people is just uh, very evident in what's going on there with the church. So if you think about it, pray for Harvest Bible Chapel. Uh, they are linked shoulder to shoulder with us uh, in heart, wanting to reach their community, our community, the world for the, uh, for the cause of Christ. And that really is the theme of what I want to talk about today. They, uh, he, the pastor there was doing a series on First Corinthians, and one of the messages really started to grab a hold of me and make me think about what has God done in giving me this opportunity right now to be single again. Um, sooner than maybe I hadn't anticipated he would, but that was the gift that he gave me. And one of the Sundays, um, as he's expositorily think, teaching through 1 Corinthians, he gets to 1 Corinthians 7, and there's a section in there that talks about this. I'm just going to read a few verses. The, the entire section is 1 Corinthians 7, 27 to 34, but these verses in, in particular really hit home, and you will see why. It says, are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you've not sinned, yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. Those were Paul's words. Um, but I want you to be free from concern. One who's unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who's married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. And I started to think about that. Um, am I really having that perspective that this is the gift that he's given me right now to be able to have an undivided attention towards him 
uh, in ministry at this point in my life, all that he has done for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to enjoy a special time with my parents again. They're both 89, my dad's health waning, um, would not have had this opportunity. So it's a, um, it's a way that I can honor my parents. I can honor God by honoring my parents uh, and doing it in a really um, righteous manner. You know, I don't know what the future is going to be if, you know, there will be a time where I live apart from them and I'm able to more uh, be involved in specific ministries within that church. But for now, I really am convinced that part of my calling is to really help uh, minister to my folks and their friends, but also uh, I am getting to know the people in this church. I've attended a um, a Bible study that they have as part of their discipleship program. It kind of has become like my small group, so to speak. I've been able to share pretty openly with them things that are going on, and uh, they have responded, and we have some really great discussions. Those They're from all over the world, all over perspectives from the Christian, and we have some really uh, great dialogues. Um, with each other during those times. I don't know if God is ever going to call me to get involved with their music, uh, worship music, ministry. Uh, when I they found out that I had done that for a while, they were, oh, you want to come work with us? And I'm like, well, right now, I know what God's design is for me. So um, with this, new situation that I have, being able to be undivided. Um, there was another, uh, this particular sermon, sermon also um, in series had a challenge along with it um, to have an undivided heart, but then there was a current sermon that he gave uh, just last week from the life of Elijah and about having courage to speak up and um, and it was another challenge to me to set aside fears, whatever, to just let boldly speak forth the truth about who God is and what his, his designs are for the world. And so the, all these things are coming together. I, as you'll see, Steve's most recent two blogs, I think it's two, right, you've done in the last couple weeks, do two weeks in a row, or not? Anyway, I can't remember. Anyway, but but just that whole thought that he shared in there. If you've not read it, please go to his blog, uh, ChristKingdom.org, and and read it. It it is a wake up call for all of us. Hey, we are in the midst of a wicked generation which should be no surprise to us. God said it's going to happen. It's here. It's in our midst. And we are to be lights in the midst of that. There's a reason that God selected you to be here at this point in time in history in this place. And so um, the challenge then is what do you do with that? And I remember back in the early 1980s, I wrote a song called uh, The Runner's Song. And it was based on Jeremiah 12.5. 
and then 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 27. And those are the verses I want to talk about today. Um, that is the challenge that was put forth to me. I'm going to start with Jeremiah 12, 5. And I'm going to go through this by asking, I'm going to just share with you the questions I asked myself as I was going through these texts again. And Jeremiah 12, 5 says, If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, how will you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? So at that point in time, God was, through the prophet, <laughs> was challenging the children of Israel, his, his nation, and saying, you know, right now you've, you've been at peace, but I've already told you things are going to get difficult. And I'm warning you, and if you can't handle being uh, in a time of ease, how are you going to do when it gets really tough? When, if you can't keep up with the footmen, when they start bringing horses and you don't have horses, how are you going to deal with that when the, when the times are really, when it appears that you're overwhelmed? Um, if you're, you're in a, uh, if you're falling down, tripping, when it's smooth, when the, when the ground is level, how are you going to do when you get in the thickets? And you're, having to, and you're having to flee, or you're having to try to attack the enemy. And there's a brush grabbing at your feet. Not just the enemy. How are you going to do if you can't even, on level ground, um, stand firm? Paul has so many analogies, you know, from Ephesians 6 about the armor and standing firm in our faith in the midst of all the attacks, which is what's happening to us. You know, this... <laughs> The, the verse itself is a set of questions, but they're rhetorical, and they're not the real question. Um, so again, I, I urge you, this whole concept is wrapped up in what Steve wrote in his, in his blogs recently. Um, the USA is seeing more overt persecution of Christianity than it's ever seen before. We're being silenced, we're being canceled, um, we're being told that you know, we're the enemy, really, the concepts that we believe in, that we believe in that there's actually a truth out there. It's not just all relative. That's the way they're thinking, and they're pushing back at us who have very firm convictions. And it can be really easy to kind of get squishy and marshmallowy, as Jeff would say, with, with our responses. But what God's calling us to is to stand firm, to be like the soldiers that he's called us to be. I mean, there are lots of analogies God uses about the church, but one of them is that we're an army. You're a soldier. And that requires being ready for war. Not just, it, it's nice to have the family and have fellowship, but that's to heal you up so you can go and face battle. Um, you know, our our culture continues to promote perverseness of everything that God called good. And that's because the ruler of this world right now is blinding their eyes and he's deceiving and he's, that's what he wants to do. I don't want, you know, he wanted to be the creator. He wanted to take the place. He wanted to create the world in his own image. 
in his own despicable ways. He's, so he's going to do everything he can to pervert and twist uh, and get people to think that that's the right way uh, because it fits with our flesh. But it really is uh, hollow and empty, and we have to stand against that tie. Um, when I when I think about us having been warned about this, I, again, it just takes me back to Paul and in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, um, it just really hits you in the face. You think, oh, I'm reading the newspaper right now, when he says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. He's talking to the believers. It's not going to be necessarily difficult for the unbelievers, but difficult for believers. For men will be lovers of self. They'll be lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness. They have to justify their own being, right? And Although they've denied its power, avoid such men as these. That's our charge. Avoid getting caught in the grip and in the deception that's there. I mean, those words, I mean, read back through that list. It, it is, it's a punch in the face. Those words are not pleasant. Those aren't the words you want to read when you're trying to get encouraged in the morning. But at some point in the day, remind yourself, this is what I'm going to face. And don't be surprised. Okay, yeah, this is, this is the way it is. This is, if you're, I'm out in the world, then that's what's happening. The next set of verses in 1 Corinthians 9 really puts this challenge to run hard, even in difficult times, into a gospel context. So I'm going to read verse by verse and go through the way that I was thinking about these. So it starts, For though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all so that I may win the more. So in context, this term winning is referring to seeing men and women rescued out of Satan's dominion and into the kingdom of our Lord Savior, of the Christ, of God, the way that he wants it to be. I don't know if you remember, but back at the end of um, 2020, I gave a message from Colossians and talked about how we have been transferred out of the dominion, a dominion, a restriction <laughs> dominating us in darkness. But you've been transferred out of that into the kingdom of his beloved son in light, brightness in the midst of the darkness. And I, I that's one of my favorite letters of Paul, and my favorite reminders, it just keeps Christ in the forefront, and that's what we're doing. We're to be transformed to be like him, so we need to keep him in full view, or we will get like the dominion that's around us. 
So why would being a slave, though, using that analogy or having the attitude of being a slave, help me win others to Christ or to see them get saved by Christ? Why, I mean, why use that analogy? Why, why say I'm going to become a slave? So one thing is, you think about this, who are people that you're attracted to? People who are, have humility and are serving. That attitude of being humble and serving others really makes them know two things. It makes them know that you don't think you're better than they are, and it makes you know, them know that you're concerned and that you want only their good. You know, that was the example Christ gave. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Set aside being God, became man, and not only that, slave type of a mentality of serving us. The Lord of all, becoming a slave to all. So how can we do any less? You know, it could be as simple as joining someone in an event that you wouldn't normally enjoy. You know, maybe you don't like hiking. Maybe you don't like whatever, some kind of a sport. But being willing to submit yourself to them, as long as it's not wicked and sinful, um, being with them. How about eating something It's not necessarily your favorite cuisine? It doesn't make you get sick, but, but at the same time, it's not your favorite, but because it would bring them joy, submit that way to them. Be their slave, in a sense. In order to win them, in order to support someone, I'm talking especially even with, with unbelievers, so that they are the ones that see that we are serving them. This next verse, uh, verse 20, I need to move it along here, uh, says, To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law. Though not being under the, myself being under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. So I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, what's comparable to being like a Jew in our culture? or specifically for an individual with or without a specific ethnicity. That's what he was driving at here. I don't know how many of you realize today is Juneteenth. 19th of June is. Do you know why we celebrate that? We celebrate that because what happened in Texas is it took them two years until they found out that the slaves had been freed, that there had been an amendment now that said... You're free. And so in Texas, they celebrate. I don't know if you have, do you have the day off tomorrow? Some, some companies do. Some companies, uh, in fact, oh, really? Ah, Giovanni, you guys get it off? Great. But it's, it's an acknowledgement of ones being declared free, um, of us as a nation acknowledging, hey, this was wrong, and we've made a correction, and we're going to celebrate that, and we're going to honor and acknowledge um, to people whose families had had to come through that at some point. 
being slaves that we're making corrections. I think it's especially timely. Um, We've been through a time in our recent history where there were a lot of riots related to racial tension. Um, There's been a real fear of favoritism being shown one way or the other on both sides of this issue. It's not one way. And, you know, I, I had difficulty understanding this issue because I grew up in a strongly integrated community. Um, I had friends from all different types of races, black and Hispanic, Asian, white, and we all, it just was, we were all friends, we all did things together, we all succeeded. I was telling the Hogans last night that during my uh, junior year of high school, we elected a, a black man as our student body president and it was because he he had it all together he his platform was the best he was the clearest articulated and he was looking out for the entire student body it wasn't like he was trying to say you know and I'm finally going to get this right for my my black brothers that are here in your in the student body no he set up a program Um, I was telling them we had a lot of violence on our campus, 3,300 students when I was in high school, a lot of drug trafficking that happened coming through our community. Uh, In fact, the route for heroin, at that time, the route for heroin into Chicago was through my town, Um, came up from Mexico and was fed into Chicago through the gangs that were there. And he set up what he called the Year of the Hammer. So he brought in, you know, armed guards to protect us. There were extra policemen available, uh, narcs, all kinds of things, to protect the, the entire student body. He wanted it so that we didn't have to worry about coming to school. Am I going to get mugged today? Am I going to see something, see one of my friends get hurt or whatever? And it worked. And it, it was a lasting effect that he had. My point is that that is how we need to be seeing things happen. It's not a, it has nothing to do with our skin color or what our background was. It's our, I mean, I don't think he was a believer. He went on to become a lawyer. His brother be, that was my age became a, a psychiatrist and is helping people to make adjustments in their thinking so that they can be uh, good and and, uh, citizens. So uh, I think for us, it's not about being colorblind. I think sometimes that term gets thrown around, especially in Christian circles, you know, well, hey, we're colorblind. Well, no, it's, it's, it's really more than that. It's about Acknowledging the differences and thinking about how do we amplify, how do we synergize what we have with all our different backgrounds and make it more powerful than any one of us individually or any one of our backgrounds individually, um, loving unconditionally, which is the transformation that the world doesn't know, and we can really have an opportunity to shine brightly as Christians. Uh, One of my favorite sections of scripture is in Revelation 5, 
and the song we sing from verses 9 to 14. And I don't know if you guys have thought about it this way, but when God is talking there, he says, every tongue, tribe, people, nation. So he takes it down to tribal level, to, to dialects within a tribe. And he says, they're going to be there. You're not all just going to be vanilla, the same. No, there's going to be, still be distinction, but it's going to be so beautiful, it's going to blow your mind. What I've done in doing this. Um, so all I'm asking is that you actively think about that with one another. Don't ignore the differences make the most of having them. You know, who could you partner with that you may normally not partner with, and how could, could you change the world for Christ? Um, I'm not going to linger here, but, but I do want to recommend a book that I've recently started reading uh, by Tony Evans. It's titled Oneness Embraced, A Kingdom Race Theology for Reconciliation, Unity, and Justice. And it's probably one of the best balanced approaches and most honest approaches. He himself struggled through all this in his time, um, wanting to become a, a pastor, going to Dallas Theological Seminary and having to break barriers there. Um, but it really is an incredibly well-written book, uh, Oneness Embraced by Tony Evans. The next verse is to those who are without law, is without law. Though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. So it's, it's easy as Christians, you know, to be in a mode to tell people what we can't do, right? Well, I know I'm not supposed to do this, that, and the other, and I can't join you in that for that reason. What if we were to turn it on its head and say, but we're the ones initiating, and we say, hey, how about if we do this together? Don't give them the chance to try and drag you into a conversation about what you can't do. Initiate and, and ask them, hey, how about if we go to the park? How about if we go to a ball game? How if we, whatever it is, let's go to this concert rather than that other concert, whatever it might be that that you could do to influence them and show them that, hey, I acknowledge that you like doing these types of things. I want to join you in doing it, but you can do it in the right way by taking the initiative and taking control of the situation in that, in that way. Um, ask yourself, what activities can I join them in? Whether it's their children's school events, um, sports venues, picnics, whatever it might be, that we can be involved in being in the world but not of it, as we're called to be. Again, the issue is being purposeful in it. It's not just, yeah, let's go hang out for the sake of hanging out, but the sake of being together with them so that you're showing them love and the love of Christ and being able to be in their life. When that crisis happens, you want to be the person that they go to. And you want them to already know that you care. It's not when it happened, the crisis happens, that the first time they find out that you really care for them and 
they think, oh, he's just taken advantage of my situation here so that he can get his angle on this Christian thing he's got going. But no, if they know who you are up front and they know that you care, it's that opportunity for them then to reach out to you to get help. The next verse says, to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that I may be all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. There's, there was a lot of damage done, I would say, personally, um, in the 1980s and 1990s with people taking this concept, um, oftentimes called the seeker movement, where um, Christians started taking liberty, going and putting themselves really at risk for sin, going to the bars, going to places that they had no business being, uh, and couldn't have a righteous influence, they were being overwhelmed with sin in the midst of what it was. They were fooling themselves, thinking, well, I'm going to become all things to all men. Well, there are a lot of other ways you can do that, like I just talked about before. Paul warns us, even in this passage, to put up the proper guardrails so as to not... not offend someone or draw someone else into temptation to sin either. As believers, we need to show preference to one another. We don't want to be a stumbling block to others. This whole issue of, yes, we want to be like people and do things, but we do need to keep in balance and approach the effect we're having on other believers and understanding their perspective. I mean, Paul talked about all the liberty he had in the midst of this, but he kept it within the confines of the love of Christ by loving his brethren. The the classic example is Romans 14. Romans 14, 1 starts out and says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. That is the point. He's talking about dietary restrictions. Something as simple as that. But they had impact on people's faith and conscience because of the background. Whether it was something, some meat sacrificed to idols that to Paul the idol was nothing But to this other person, they came out of that background. Um, You know, it it was a big deal to them. And Paul was willing to submit, to be a slave to that person so that they might ultimately be able to gain the freedom and liberty that they have in Christ. Religious observation, he continues in verse 5. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. You may need to make decisions about attending a relative's Catholic or other type of religious service, a Hindu service or Islamic weddings. Do it intentionally. Don't just say, I'm not going to do this just because I've never done this or I think it's wrong, but 
Take the time to think about why you would or would not do it and make an active decision about that and what is going to be the thing that is going to give me the most opportunity to win that person to Christ. Because Paul ends this section in Romans 1, 14, 1 to 7, with this, this verse here. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. It's all under the constraints of what has our Lord, if he's truly Lord, then he's given the commands and he's directing us and all we are to do is say, okay, I'm going to obey. If that's what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. But it's not, I mean, it's not that simple. It's that you have to seek him and you have to be convinced in your own heart of the faith that you have to do whatever that might be in breaking those barriers. And that leads us to the conclusion of this whole passage in 1 Corinthians 9. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Paul's trying to help us to see that living for a higher goal, and especially one outside of ourselves, is not uncommon in the world. He starts out that way. He gives us examples from athletes and, and them disciplining themselves. The question to ask yourself is, am I cognizant? Am I alert enough to grasp those obvious examples? It's not just reading through that verse and, oh yeah, I've read that before and I know that's the case. Stop. Ask yourself, what does that mean to me? How does that impact my life today about running to win? Am I running to win? Am I boxing is not wasting my time, not beating the air? Um, we have so many examples of athletes who are winners sacrifice all the time. I was just talking to someone recently um, that's uh, that's doing swimming, full-time student, um, getting really good grades doing that, but two hours in the morning, swimming before classes, and then again, starting at 4 o'clock, another two hours. Um, but they said, if I'm going to compete to win, that's what it takes. And so there are other things they cut out their schedule in order to be able to do those things. That's what they want to do. Nobel laureates, you know, that get these prizes, they've basically sacrificed their life for getting acknowledgement in that particular area. That's their expertise. Give it all. 
This is the one that shakes me the most, I think. Um, and I hadn't thought about it until I really started thinking through this particular message. But actors sacrifice their convictions and their morals to gain celebrity status. That's how deceived. They want celebrity status, so what do they have to do? They have to do whatever it takes. Whatever to tickle itching ears or to, to please the flesh of those that are out there. If they can do that, why can we not? <laughs> we who are living for an eternal wreath, an eternal crown, eternal glory that we will have, being able to be with God, the creator, God, the savior, the redeemer of our souls, to give us joy and praise forevermore. How much more impetus do we have than they? To live for something that's going to burn and crash and burn quickly. Therefore, I run in such a way is not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Again, what is the therefore that begins this sentence? Therefore. It's to remind us again to think about, he just finished talking about having an imperishable crown, an eternal goal. The, the consequences are either eternal gnashing of teeth and anguish forevermore that will be felt and it will be real, or it's an eternal contentment and joy at being able to fulfill the reason for which we're created in the first place, <laughs> giving praise to God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, the entirety of who he is forevermore. We'll finally understand and we will be so elated, and we won't care about one another. We're going to be so enamored with him and all he's done. But Paul does leave us with a sobering warning. He says, don't be disqualified. He was concerned about himself being disqualified. What did he mean? Don't go halfway. Don't go into your exercise, into your discipline. I'm just going to compete. No, compete to win, to cross the tape, to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful service, to take your talents and make sure they're doubled, to take the risk that it takes, to see them multiplied. Don't just bury it away and say, at least I preserved what he gave me. No. Take it. Take risk. Be willing to to get out there and, and to live as slaves of others, as to love others, to Christ, with all your being. When you get to the end, you know, to be done. I, I just shared this with, um, with Sandra and Steve, and I wasn't planning to share this, but it just struck me that I really want to share this. Um, Gotta find it here. Hang on a second. So, on a gravestone near where Vicky is buried, 
there is a gravestone to a young a young gal who had died of cancer. But you could tell she was loved by people, and she must have loved them. I mean, there's always tons of flowers there. There are decorations from the parents and friends and all kinds of things. There's a picture of her that they had embossed onto the onto the the stone, and there's a, uh, there's writing on that. And there's a there's I'm going to close with this. <laughs> and because I've been thinking about what happened with Vicky and how even in the midst of all of her challenges, physically and everything, she wanted to finish well. That was really uh, what she wanted. And that was the challenging thing about her having the disease that she had and being debilitated. And what frustrated her was not being able to do more, get out and minister to more people, to encourage and draw them. But this... This quotation right here, I think, sums up a lot of things. And I hope that you will think about this. Life's journey is not to arrive safely at the grave in a well-preserved body, but rather to skid in sideways, totally worn out, shouting, Woohoo! What a ride! Let's pray. Dear God, I do ask that you would work in our hearts. You would transform us. You would help us to live like we've never lived before or to continue if, if uh, there are those of us who are already running to win. But I, I do pray that you would use this time to help us to not be complacent, to help us to continue, regardless of our age, to finish strong, to break the tape, I just ask that you would work by the power of the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, in and through us. Help us to encourage one another that we would stand shoulder to shoulder and make your name glorious. In the name of the glorious Father, your saving Son, and the empowering Holy Spirit, whom you've given to live in us. Amen. Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, encouraging uh, to see how God is working in your life up there in Chicago land and um, encouraging how your focus is on the gospel and uh, goes well with what Steve has been preaching on his series on the gospel. Um, just a good reminder of how you are still part of uh, our family here in Christ, and uh, we're encouraged that uh, that God is using you and that you're continuing to be in fellowship with us and involved with our leadership here and we're thankful for that. Um, so we look forward to continued encouragement from you, what he, he's doing up there. Um, this week we've got our Wednesday Bible study, just a reminder about that. If you're able to come out, it's 645. And then next Sunday is Matthew meal. 
So don't forget, it's, it's come up quick, so I'll say it one more time. Next Sunday is Matthew Meal, um, so if you're able to stick around for lunch afterwards, that'll be great. And then for today's fellowship time, um, just want to point out to you that Bethel has set up the tables back there for a special um, Father's Day celebration. So if you could not sit at the tables, I think we've arranged some chairs in a big circle, so Circle, circle up back there if you're going to stick around for fellowship um, so that we leave their tables pristine. And then just as a reminder, if you want to sign up for snacks uh, on Sundays, there's a sign-up sheet back there, I think, or on the table here maybe. Um, and then lastly, as far as offering, you can give on the bo- in the box online or mail in your uh, offering. Thank you. Stand with us as we uh, finish our service with a couple of great songs. Um, Something of which we know nothing about would be being a watchman on a wall, but uh, back in the Jewish day, they knew this quite well. Very important. They put a guy, stationed him at certain places all along the wall. The enemies ever come, somebody starts blowing a horn, everybody's called to battle. But uh, one of the analogies of that that's found in the Old Testament too is that as Christians we're supposed to be sharing Jesus Christ and salvation and to help people not end up in hell and the things that they're going towards and it says as a we're each watchman and God's going to hold us accountable their blood is on our hands if if we're given the opportunity and we fail to share what we should if, if they don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because we were scared or unwilling to share that. So we're all watchmen in the world, and we're letting everyone know that the enemy's coming, and uh, the, the way to safety is through Jesus Christ. Watchmen. up on the wings of the dawn. His morning comes and hope the sun will rise again. All of the earth will be filled with this glorious light. And even when the day is short and evening comes, I know in him even darkness, even the darkness is light. 
I know in Him even darkness, even the darkness is light. Tell me, watchman, now what of the morning? For we sing of the light of the world. And we sing of the one they call Jesus, who is mighty in deed and in word. For I know He's the Son of the Highest, and I know that His victory is won. And the song of His glorious returning rises up on the wings of the dawn. His morning comes and Oh, the sun will rise again. All of the earth will be filled with this glorious light. And even when the day is short and evening comes, I know in Him even darkness, even the darkness is light. His morning comes, and oh, the sun will rise again. Oh, the earth will be filled with His glorious light. And even when the day is short and evening comes, I know in Him even darkness even the darkness is light. I know in him even darkness, even the darkness is light. I know in him even darkness, even the darkness is light. As we go into the world and share our testimony, this is what it should be. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Since Jesus came into my heart, I have light in my soul, for it's long I have sought. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart. Lots of joy on my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, I have ceased from my wandering and going astray. Since Jesus came into my heart, and my sins, which are many, are all washed away. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, 
touch of joy on my soul like the sea billows roll since jesus came into my heart City, I know since Jesus came into my heart, and I'm happy, so happy as onward I go since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart. Let's have joy on my soul like the sea billows roll Since Jesus came into my heart Benediction, very familiar. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 